You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome in, Chiefs Kingdom. Another week, another edition of the Out of Structure podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Got your guy Ron Kopp here with our Beloved writer here at the Arrowhead Pride, Matt Stagner, my good buddy. Matt, how are you doing this fine morning? Oh man, doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're getting closer to training camp, one week at a time. I think we're two weeks uh, to the day uh, as this as this episode comes out. So we're looking forward to it. Hope to see you guys there. Maybe I'll be there a few days. So meet up with some fans. But for now, the the only way we can interact with fans is through Twitter. Twitter questions. And they got some good ones this week. So, Matt, we're going to jump into those right away this week. Twitter questions. We're going to we're going to get some from this week and prior weeks, too. So we'll, we'll get some backed up ones. So just wait on yours. We'll, we'll hopefully answer it. First one, though, from Jake Wilson at Jake for now on Twitter. I'll ask you this, Matt. Should Andy Reid avoid the quarterback sneak option plays or any play that increases the likelihood of a Mahomes injury going forward? I know we've kind of answered this question before, but. Let's touch on it again, Matt. How do you feel about uh, restricting Mahomes like that? Manny, you should know where I stand on this. Again, we, we did talk about it, but that's fine. Uh, this is a two-part question from our guy, Jake, for now. Uh, we appreciate him asking questions every week, of course. Of course. This, uh, for the first part of the question, though, yeah, I, I would not be concerned about calling anything for Mahomes. I do feel a little bit dumb when you – feel like it's a little bit dumb when you see him going out for a contested pass. But <laughs> otherwise, you know what? Keep the playbook open, run with the creativity, have some fun with it. That's how Mahomes plays this game. It's the right way to play this game. The wrong way would be to be afraid of injuries and, and trying to tiptoe around something. So I, I say I say let him play. Yeah, I wrote about this actually a few weeks ago, Mahomes' running ability. I don't think the, there should be anything changed about how we call, how they call the plays. Mahomes just needs to be safer himself as an individual. Uh, you know, hey, don't you don't need the extra yard on on the sideline run. You know, just go out of bounds, or you know, maybe sometimes it's okay to just take the sack if if a guy's really just uh, you know coming down on you. Don't try to you know uh, do something extra and get hurt. So. I think it's on Mahomes more than anything. Maybe throw it away as opposed to take the sack, you know? Exactly. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Instead of getting, you know, hung up and then getting beaten down. uh, Yeah. By hanging out in the pocket. But we'll go to a second part of the question. I was going to say one of the the best plays in Mahomes history, one of his, his highlight reel in his Hall of Fame, you know, tape is going to be that run against the Titans. Right. So, I don't want to take any of that stuff off the table. That was absolutely epic. It was critical in shifting momentum in that game. And it's something that uh, that you don't want him thinking twice. You want him to make that play. And that's the thing. Yeah. In, in the moment, you know, Mahomes is such a competitor, such an athlete. It's hard to, for him to tell himself like, okay, like I need to be safe about my health right now. Like he's just going to go for it. Cause he's such a competitor. We all know that about him. It's just, there are some plays uh, specifically in my mind. If you read my article, you see it. There's one play against Buffalo last year in the regular season. 
runs to the sideline and then gets to the sideline, but then completely turns around, turns his back to the defense, turns around on the sideline. It actually works, gets him a few more yards. It's so it's so not a good idea to turn your back to the defense in that situation. Next thing you know, someone's rocking you from the back because they're coming full speed at you and you just stop dead in your tracks. Mahomes That's the kind of run, stuff. But like those spin moves are not fast. It's like a slow, <laughs> yeah. sort of a slow-mo spin move. It's not a Tyreek Hill spin move. You know, it's, no. it's, it's a little bit of a slow-mo. I, I don't know how he escapes as well as he does, but uh, I say let him keep doing it. Uh, but what do you think about the second part of the question? Yeah, I, I think you had a good second part of the question here, Jake. He asked if Veach makes a player-for-player player trade similar to what we saw in 2017 or 2018 when it was Parker Anger. We traded the fourth-round guard for Charvarius Ward. We all see, you know, uh, see how that turns out. Um, one of those kind of play, uh, trades, which of these players would you deal in that scenario? He gave us three. Colin Saunders, Armani Watts, or Darwin Thompson. What do you think? You know, all of these guys have been on the bubble already this season. We've talked about that a little bit. You know, I think there's more depth maybe at defensive line and safety. Right? I mean, these are all deep positions. These are all players on the bubble. Any one of them being traded, if they got a productive player back in return, would, would be fine with me. Uh, I think maybe I would lean towards uh, maybe Armani Watts because I've got uh, Will Parks over him right now in my projection on the roster. Uh, so I see him as somebody outside the 53. And if you can get any asset for somebody who you don't think is going to make your initial 53, then then why not? Yeah, you never know with those kind of players. Someone like Watts who hasn't really gotten an opportunity on defense. Maybe there is a team that's always kind of thought, you know, I really liked him, thought he was a good player. It's his last year of his contract. We already know he's a good special teams player. We can plug him in there. You know, yeah, maybe you can get, you know, a, a maybe a later round player or just a late round draft pick for that. So I like that idea. I went with Darwin just because I, and I guess this is in the similar vein as I just talked about with, for Watts. I think there is probably a team out there that has seen Thompson at some points, you know, make some flashes as a professional so far, just, he just hasn't gotten too many opportunities and he has put himself in the doghouse with, with fumbles at times. But I think one team's just going to be like, you know, we know he's talented. We need an extra back in the room. Um, you know, let's let's send a fifth or a sixth round pick or just someone we're going to cut anyway, you know, that the Chiefs need a position, you know, maybe a, a, a veteran defensive end that's not, you know, that's that's uh, not like a starter more than just a rotational player like Darwin would be. You know, maybe there is something like that out there. So, yeah, I'd say Darwin would be my answer. Well, that's the other half of this question is, is who would you want to see them trade for? I'm not expecting you to have scouted the whole NFL – to find available players that are on a similar level as these guys. But are there any specific positions that you'd want to see them do a player for player trade and add to the depth at, you know, wide receiver or, or what, what else would you be looking for? I think defensive end is the, the one position you can kind of think of, because when you think about defensive line in general, interior and on the edge, you just want depth. And so if there is a guy that maybe a team just, you know, is going to cut anyway, you know, isn't, isn't making, you know, they have a deep defensive line themselves or deep defensive end room themselves. Maybe there is a guy that you can just get and you know, he's not going to be exciting, not an exciting trade, not a, not a guy that you're going to, you know, he's playing, you know, more than half the snaps, but right now defensive end, there's some things going on where we don't exactly know how many we're going to have at the beginning of the season for sure. So maybe that's the time, you know, after training camp, trade Darwin or, or one of these players, any of these players, 
for a defensive end that, that could help you in the rotation right away? You know, I, I saw something on Twitter. I mean, I'm sure it's pure speculation. Not that you would ever see pure speculation on Twitter, but if you can believe it, um, there was something about Jerry Hughes of Buffalo being potentially on the roster bubble. You know, there 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 could be some some decent names that are either planning on being cut and maybe the team does a last-minute trade to get something out of them. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But defensive end happens to be the topic of like the next five or six questions on our list. Oh, so let's uh, let's revisit this Frank Clark situation a little bit. Uh, there's been a lot of reporting coming out and a lot of debate about whether or not Frank Clark's time in Kansas City is in jeopardy, uh, whether the legal issues are going to cause the team to void his guarantees and to get out of his contract and to look at free agents at that position. Um, has the recent news changed your stance at all on, on Frank Clark? I don't think so because we still don't really know exactly what's going to happen. Um, we just got the news of the maximum sentence he could face in prison, which is three years. But that still doesn't tell you exactly how the NFL is going to handle it or how long they're going to wait. I think one interesting thing that we brought up, uh, you know, on our Arrowhead Pride group chat is if this takes so long, do we even see Frank get punished this year? Maybe maybe if it takes so long and it goes into, you know, uh, the, the court dates and hearings go on the season or, you know, even after the season, maybe we don't even see a suspension until, uh, you know, 2022 or later. So. It's it's one of those things where we just have to wait for everything to come out. I'm I'm I haven't changed because I just there's not much to to really guess or predict about this right now. As Chiefs fans, we know we got to wait and see a little bit on on these kind of off field issue kind of things. Just wait and see what happens and and for now, just uh, just assume like he's going to be on the team in week one. I wonder if there's been precedent, and and again, I, I haven't researched this either. But is there has there been precedent of a team? suspending a player pending the investigation, like uh, pulling them out, you know, until they find the results of the, of the investigation. It doesn't seem like there has been a lot of that. Uh, I know Tyree kill and, and, and that year, I mean, he did, the team did, you know, he wasn't in the facilities during that whole summer. He, he, he did come back to training camp because it was resolved, I think between the off season, mini camps and training camp, but he wasn't, I don't think he was necessarily suspended from the team or anything. I'd have to look into that, but he was, he was definitely not with the team during all that. I think they did ask him to stay away from the team in the facility. I think, I think you're yeah. right. That, that might be the nearest precedent to this. Um, the fact that they haven't done that or they haven't talked about that. I would really think that the team clearly has more information than we do on this situation. They seem to me like they're acting as if they know that this is not as big of a deal as maybe some people are making it out to be Pure, purely a guess on my part. You know, the, the Tyree situation obviously was <clears throat> the accusation was enough that it looked bad in, in public and they had to do something. Um, but they, they stood pretty, pretty fastly behind him once they, once they spoke out other, other situations have resolved themselves a little quicker. I think maybe it's because of the size of his contract or the, the, what Frank Clark means to this team, which don't get it wrong. This guy means a lot to this team. He is a leader. He is a productive player. You may think he's not worth the contract, but the work that he does is important work and he's important to this defense. So maybe they're holding off because of those, those other factors at play, or maybe it really is just not as, uh, 
not as big of an issue as, as it's being made out to be just because it's a slow off season and people need something to talk about. I will say, you know, maybe that March arrest, maybe, maybe they took that on the chin and, and, and said, Hey, you know, we know mistakes happen, you know, we'll stand by, uh, you know, we didn't hear about it at all. We, we didn't know about it. They put him in front of the media at OTAs. He was talking to us, you know, press conference wise, but then, you know, this June one happens after they get out of minicamp and they really haven't need, had any opportunities to talk. You know, there, there, there's no, been no press conferences since then. There's, you know, training camps the next time we're going to be able to talk to anybody. So that makes you kind of wonder, you know, how, you know, I, I know what you mean. They haven't done anything about it, but they haven't needed to yet. You know, maybe, but maybe when training camp gets closer, maybe all of a sudden we do see something, you know, get some news about, you know, maybe he doesn't show up to training camp because they don't, you know, who yeah. knows? And, and I'm like, we, like we're saying pure speculation, there's not much to talk about right now. So we're going to talk about this. Uh, and, and, but it is important. It is really important. And it is something that on the field, just purely on the field, if Clark's, you know, away from the team for the beginning of the year, that is really going to be a, an impact. It's going to make a huge impact on the pass rush, the defensive line in general against the run. It is going to make a huge impact. You know, I know you just did some work on some some of the other guys on the defensive line for the Chiefs, uh, including Turk Wharton and uh, Mike Dana. I would love to hear maybe some highlights from that. Everybody should certainly check out that content on Arrowhead Pride uh, and Ron's Twitter feed. You can catch some clips. But do, do the Chiefs have some some sleepers there on the on the defensive line that could help make up for a loss of a Frank Clark, even if it's for a few games? Well, thanks for the plug, Stags. Uh, yeah, go read that on airheadpride.com. Um, just released Tuesday morning. So, yeah, th- I wanted to look at that because of this Frank Clark situation, right? I mean, we got to know what's going on with the guys behind him. And I do think we should be confident in the depth of the group uh, in terms of just them being able to fill in. I know, you know, I know Tershawn Wharton doesn't play what Clark plays. Well, just in terms of being able to fill specific roles on the defensive line, like Mike Dana, for example, I found he's a good run defender. I I, I really do think he he he's very stout against the run. He that he uses you know he's not a big dude. He's six two two sixty. He's not going to be this overpowering lengthy defensive end that we see in the spec system a lot. But he understands how to use his leverage and just control blocks. I was really impressed with even you know good tackles like a like the Buffalo Bills right tackle Darrell Williams or or other guys where he was able to control blocks, disengage when needed to, and make plays in the run game. And so he's someone that Clark is a good run defender. And so missing him is going to, is going to hurt the run defense on the edge. And so someone like Dana can fill in for that. Absolutely. I also think Chris Jones, we should mention, I think Chris Jones, that's where playing the edge will make sense for Jones, I think in run defense, but we've talked about that. And really, I was going to say, that's where Turk Wharton comes in a little bit, right? Is, is having Turk and Jaron Reed inside uh, allows them to play Chris Jones outside more and you can generate some pass rush with those guys on the interior. Mike Dana will be a effort sack guy, right? He he, yeah. he got a few because he works his ass off. But like Turk and Jaron Reed inside can generate enough pressure that it helps out the 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 edge guys. Yeah, Wharton especially. I I, I think he is really going to take advantage of. I know you say he's going to help them get pressure, but I also would say vice versa, this talent of, you know, if we do have Chris Jones and Jaron Reed and then, you know, whoever else, let's say Taco Charlton or, you know, I know we're talking about not Clark being on the team, but if Clark's on the team, 
those three are going to demand more attention than a Wharton will. And especially if Reed or Jones is, is on, is beside him on the interior, that center is helping, helping him, uh, helping the other guard. He's not helping the guard on Wharton. So Wharton's going to have a lot of one-on-ones that, and that's what happened last year. And he was really able to take advantage of that. And so I, I think just having as talented of a guy of, as Wharton that low in your rotation is a huge boost. And I just think both of them are going to, if they take another step forward from what they already were as rookies, it is really going to make the Clark thing not as, you know, it's not going to be as hard to swallow, I guess. So this always brings up the question, are there still free agents they're going to be looking at? There's one name that keeps coming up, Melvin Ingram, until he signs somewhere else. He's going to be the guy that everybody's waiting to see if he signs in Kansas City. Um, do you think that they go out and, and add a substantial veteran? And, and maybe it goes back to the previous question and it ends up being a player for player trade or a, a last minute cut. But do you think a veteran addition is in the cards? So we still have two weeks to, to see that because, you know, they don't have to rush it. You know, there's no reason to sign him now instead of, you know, two days, three days before training camp. So I do think we're in this period where if it's going to happen, we'll see it soon. I would lean, though, that we'll see it like we just mentioned after training camp. I think we talked about it before, but there's a two week period this year. There's no fourth preseason game. So that week, it doesn't just get moved up. They actually just skip that week. And so there's actually like a 12 day period, 11, 12 day period between week three preseason, the last preseason game and week one. And so you're going to see training camp cuts happen after week three. Maybe there's a veteran defensive end that just is a cap casualty. I think that is where they'll add, if anything. Um, but like I said, if, if there is going to be a move before training camp, we'll see it within the next, you know, uh, 10 days or so. Well, there'll be a few positions in training camp that they're going to wait and see what the young guys do. Defensive line, defensive end is certainly one of those where you might want to just see how the competition plays out. Yeah. And training camp, you want to give those young guys the, the reps, right? I mean, get those Tim Wards and the Joshua Kandos and even Mike Dana, you know, get the, get those guys reps in training camp. But training camp also has a lot of positional battles that, that we're really looking forward to. Um, and, and Steve Gray on Twitter really, really gives us a, a thinker right here because there's so many position battles. You don't want to just narrow it down to one. But he asked, if you were only allowed to watch one competition for a role throughout all of training camp, which one would it be? Stags, could you narrow it down to one? You know, it's tough. You could say the third wide receiver. You could say the, all of the linebackers and how that's going to shake out. I think that's going to be a really interesting one. Noah Gray finding his role. I mean, the uh, corner depth chart, I think that would be a really interesting one. I, I'm going to go with the obvious one and maybe leave one of those for you, but I'll stick with the offensive line, especially the right guard and right tackle competitions. You know, maybe is that two or one positions? I don't know, but right guard, if I had to name just one, because I do think it's going to start off as LDT's job to lose, and they're going to give him every opportunity to, to hold on to that role. The talent and the excitement around Trey Smith is undeniable, and, and maybe that changes things by, by the time camp is over. So that's the one that I'm, I'm really interested to see. I also right tackle. Obviously, I think that they'll do the same thing. They'll give Mike Remmers the veteran reps first and then see if Lucas Niang can take it away from him. The right side of the offensive line – Maybe it's obvious, but that's that's the one to watch. Yeah, and I'm with you on that because and, – and I have another one, but just to go off that a little bit, I think offensive line is just fun to watch because when you're talking about one-on-ones going against a pass rush, you really do see – like you see wins and losses. You see which offensive lineman holds up a lot better against one guy and which one just, you know, gets beaten to shreds. And 
And it's also just, it, it's just the balance between LDT and Trace in terms of their talent, their, their talent wise. Um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's the best. That is one of the most fun things in training camp is watching those one-on-ones, those offensive line, defensive line. And if you think about the way the offseason program is laid out, they haven't been able to hit anybody yet, really. And so the fact that Trey Smith is getting buzzed now, just on the mental side of the game, just on knowing where to where to be and how to how to comprehend the offense, before he gets to do what he does best, you know, is actually hit people. That that should bode really well for him, you know, going into this competition. So really watching those one on ones, really watching the team uh, sessions for the offensive line is going to be the first chance you've got to see some of this and the most entertaining part of camp, arguably. Yeah, and they got some uh, good defensive linemen to uh, to test against, right? Um, but I'm I'm going to go ahead and and say a, a position you did not mention, and and I think this is this is increasingly becoming more and more exciting to watch. But the linebacker position, I want to see how Gay and Bolton do in training camp against you know if they're going to be playing against the Patrick Mahomes offense, they're going to be tested and they're going to have to show their ability and coverage to get on the field. And I think that is something that as fans just watching a practice, you will be able to see you know, whether, oh, Gay was in the wrong place, you know, it's wide open down the middle of the field, or, you know, if the coach is barking at, you know, Bolton to get over, you know, get, get to that gap or whatever, how, however it may be. I feel like it is kind of, you can see if they're doing well or not doing well, you know, if they're in the right place and, and get a tip pass, that kind of thing. I'm excited to see Gay and Bolton kind of compete with the other long, young linebackers and, and see if they can prove to be guys that can play from week one. And, and so maybe some of these other linebackers don't have to. Yeah. The roles in the linebackers, I did mention it, Ron, but uh, the roles in the linebackers oh. are really going to be interesting with, with uh, Damien Wilson, not being there anymore because yeah, exactly. Wilson on paper was probably your Sam, right? But he got some will reps. He, he really did a lot of different things in that group with him out of the picture. I have no idea who the full-time Sam is, you know, full-time Sam is sort of a misnomer, right? But the we have no idea who's the primary Sam. And maybe it's Bolton with Hitchens at, at Mike and, and Gay at Will. And that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good mix. But that'll be one specific part of the linebacking group to watch is 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 there somebody that distinguishes themselves at the Sam linebacker position? And is that a way for Nick Bolton to get on the field sooner? rather than being stuck behind Hitchens. Yeah, no, I, I sure hope Nick Bolton is, is the Sam right away because that that that, that needs to happen. He, he's a good run defender. He'll, he'll play well in that position right away. Let's get one more question before we take a break uh, from Truth Synapse at Synapse Truth on Twitter. Who's the breakout player for this coming season? And then there was a follow-up question. Uh, somebody quickly replied and said, and why is it Noah Gray? Uh, Rod, do you have a, a breakout player? Or you used to want to continue to make the case for Noah Gray? Well, I, if anything, I was making the case against Noah Gray uh, in the past. So I'm not a Noah Gray hater. I just uh, want to make sure we're, we're, we have calmer expectations. And it seems like a lot of Chiefs Kingdom has for him. But no, I think the obvious answer is Clyde for breakout player. I do think he's going to be a big breakout. I'll give you an underrated breakout, though. And we actually just talked about him, so. Mike Dana, I do think, is is going to prove his worth as a as a player this year as a as that third defensive end. If Jones really is playing a lot of the defensive end, and I think he's really going to become a player that uh, you know the Chiefs are going to think about you know uh, 
he's going into his second year now, you know, after that third year, you can start thinking about, you know, a cheap extension just to keep him on the team without letting him hit free agency. I just feel like any, and he's Brandon Daly's guy, Brandon Daly drafted him. He was a guy that stood on the table for him. We know that. And Brandon Daly is a defensive line coach and he's made him look really good so far. So I think it's a good pairing, a good marriage. And I think he's a guy that's going to really become even more important to the defense this year. Yeah, that would be a really good development for this defense. They've got to find some young defensive ends. I just saw a recent mock draft that said that the, and we had this in the arrow headlines that the prediction for next year's draft first, first round pick for the chiefs to be an edge player. Uh, they said obviously to replace Frank Clark, but even if Frank, Frank Clark is still on the roster, they got to continue to invest in that position, you know, maybe earlier in the draft that they have in the past, Mike Dana could prove to be a huge steal. And it really seems like the coaches like and respect and trust what he can do on the field because he is so sound in his assignments. He's so stout in, in the run game. He's somebody that's not going to embarrass you on the field. No, exactly. And, and, and we've, we talk about him like he can't rush the passer at all, and, and I'm guilty of that as well. But, you know, he, he did have some, some good reps last year. I put a clip on Twitter of a couple good plays he had. Um, he, he's, just got, he's just got a high motor, like you mentioned earlier, and, and really strong hands. And he, and he can use those hands really well to get linemen's hands off of him. There's been a lot of questions on this position, on the defensive end position. And there was another question about Joshua Kendo and keeping expectations low. I'd be very surprised if he's a breakout player this year, but can you imagine how impactful that could be if it was him? Uh, I'm not going to predict that, but I will predict somebody else that's pretty bold. Uh, I, I think they're hanging in there for, and they're banking on DeAndre Baker being a breakout uh, at corner. And, you know, they, they sort of are slow playing it, right? They're saying nobody else has stepped up from the cornerback room. We don't know who the next guy is going to be after, after the first couple. Um, I think, I think they're secretly, not secretly, but I think they're they're waiting to see, assuming Baker's leg is right and he checks out uh, with the doctors, when he's back on the field, I think they're going to give him every chance to win not just the third or fourth cornerback spot, but maybe the second cornerback spot. Cornerback is so wide open right now. I'm glad you said that because we – it's so easy to just say, all right, you know, you got the you got the guys we know, Ward, Sneed, and Fenton, and then we're good. No, I they brought in these guys for a reason. They were active on the trade market for Baker or for Hughes for a reason. They brought in they brought in Baker even after a broken leg, you know, trusting that he'll develop back, you know, or improve back to health for a reason. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I do think cornerback might be a, a place where we're already kind of, we already think we know what's going on. And then once, you know, week one comes around, it's something completely different, maybe. Yeah, Kenny Buford asked that question this week about the third cornerback position. I think today, before camp, it's Rashad Fenton. By the time camp is done, I'm just throwing it out there. I think it might be DeAndre Baker. And 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 I know we got to go to break, but but you did mention Rashad Fenton, and and that's funny because on that question, I and I think Rashad Fenton has become one of the most underrated players on the team. I do think he's he's a little underappreciated now because I do think he's played really well. But he's still a sixth round pick, and and we've also seen the other guys that we've already mentioned play well in spurts like Fenton has. So that's why it really is up for grabs right now. Well, with that, let's take a quick break, pay a couple bills. We'll be right back with more of your Twitter questions on the Out of Structure podcast. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, we're back on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Hope you're enjoying all the shows we have for you throughout the week. We it seems like we got a new show every week coming out. So just keep enjoying them, please. Um, I'm enjoying them as well. So I'm I'm, I'm I hope you are too. But we're on the Out of Structure Podcast. This is Out of Structure, and we're answering your Twitter questions. Me and Stags are. We're gonna go back to it uh, with Twitter user the one at Mad Martigan eight one six. He's asking about the receiver room. It's a young but crowded one. Who do we think steps up as the fifth and sixth wide receiver as we get closer to training camp? Matt, what do you think about that? You know, everybody else has been asking about the third wide receiver. I respect Mad Martigan at 816 on Twitter here asking about the fifth and sixth, getting deep down in that depth chart. You know, when you say traditionally fifth and sixth wide receiver, that normally screams – who are your special teams guys in the wide receiver room that are probably not going to see the field on offense very much? And I've also heard some other people pretty definitively saying they think the Chiefs only keep five wide receivers this year, given the rest of their, their depth chart. I've got them keeping six, so I think this question is appropriate. Um, Hill, McColl is going to be given every opportunity to be the second most productive. Again, he's not going to be the X receiver but I think he's still the second most productive receiver on the charts. And then you've got Robinson, Powell, Pringle, Callaway, and then, you know, Fordson and, and Dieter and Kemp and Fountain and Shepard. Like there's, there's so many names uh, that, that are farther down the chart and likely on the practice squad. I think if you're looking at a traditional wide receiver room where your fifth and sixth guys are your special teams stalwarts, then I'm going to say that it's Demarcus Robinson and that it's Byron Pringle and, and Cornell Powell maybe scoots up the depth chart a little bit uh, because of the, the prowess of those other guys on special teams. Not that Powell won't play special teams, but I, I really think in some ways, I, I know I've argued multiple times that these numbers don't really matter. First, second, third, fourth wide receiver, whatever. They're all wide receivers. They're going to have different roles, but I think, I'm, I'm taking this question literally to be who are the special teamers from the wide receiver room. And I don't think it's going to be Callaway as a special teamer. Um, I don't think McColl is going to be out there uh, playing gunner anytime soon. You know, so I think you've got those three or four guys that, that could be on the roster, but not really special teams players, but you know, you can count on Robinson and Pringle and uh, as special teamers. 
Yeah, and I'd add Powell to that. You know, as a rookie, who will be playing special teams? But I know what you're saying. I, I get what you're saying because I, he does have, I, in my opinion, I think he probably has a little more juice in his routes or just a little more where you're, he actually looks like a, an explosive receiver out of his breaks and everything uh, compared to Robinson and Pringle. And so, you know, if he wasn't a fifth-round rookie, you know, uh, uh, maybe you think differently about it. But you're right. Callaway doesn't play any special teams. He hasn't in his entire career. Um, he's only been a returner. But he is that sixth receiver for me, too. I got the same six you're keeping. I think Marcus Kemp, we got we to gotta always keep an, an eye out for Marcus Kemp. That guy, he has – he Dave Tope has grown an infatuation with Marcus Kemp and, and loves to, to fight for him to be on the roster. And and I've said this before, but 2019 training camp, he did look really good as a receiver, I will say. So if he can get back any closer to that, maybe he pushes Callaway off the, the roster because they need that special teams ability out of the receivers. But they do have plenty of other special teams guys around the roster, not just receiver. That's the beauty of special teams. You can have, you know, a, a, a plethora of positions play play the roles on, on the unit. So well, yeah, I'm with you, Callaway and Powell. Like it or not, Demarcus Robinson's going to get a ton of snaps again this year. I mean, he's exactly. he's going to be on the field a lot. And, and so, again, I don't know how you number him in this wide receiver group, but he's going to be an important role player uh, until somebody unseats him. And, and maybe it's Powell or Pringle, but uh, and maybe it's Kemp. But I I think I think the, the betting a betting man would pick Demarcus Robinson to have maybe the third most snaps at wide receiver after Hill and McColl uh, or are about equal with McColl maybe. And then, uh, you know, but is he going to be that productive? That That's, that's the thing that time will tell. I saw that there were some other follow-up questions about the receiver position, Ron, um, from Thomas Ramirez asked about Allen Robinson, not getting a deal done and, and maybe a, a potential trade target for the chiefs. Do you see any, whether it's Robinson or somebody else around the league, do you see any other wide receivers that might be able to help improve this group that the Chiefs can make a move for? You know, I think it's a little unrealistic that we talk about uh, Allen Robinson right now. I think we it was rightfully, uh, you know, it was rightfully a topic back in free agency before he signed the franchise tag. I think that was a time when, hey, you know, they got the money. We've seen them spend money this offseason, so – that could have been a possibility before he signed the franchise tag, but it, it's hard to see them, the trade. I mean, you know, maybe if Robinson threatens enough not to play, you know, Chicago gets back into a corner, like kind of like the Julio situation where then all of a sudden it doesn't cost as much, but I, I don't see that happening. Although there are some free agents out there that might be interesting to think about. Um, one guy, I, I think Golden Tate actually would kind of make sense for the Chiefs as just like a role. He's kind of like Demarcus Robinson or Byron Pringle, um, in a sense, but he's just more of a playmaker than them, and he's a vet. Um, so he is 33 years old though, so I don't know about that. Larry Fitzgerald's out there too. He's a, he's a straight up free agent, hasn't retired yet. So you know, who knows? Uh, maybe someone like that. But no, at, when it comes down to it, I don't. It's hard to see the Chiefs adding to the receiver room at this point. Um, they have a lot of young names that they could just try out right now. I don't see them adding a veteran or anything. You know, there. It. I find it hard to compare guys like Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle to the field when it comes to NFL wide receivers that are farther down the depth chart in other places. Like, how do you quantify who's better, 
Demarcus Robinson or Golden Tate at this point in, in their career, you know, and sometimes familiarity is, you know, um, makes us overvalue players. And sometimes maybe it makes us undervalue them. You don't really know until somebody's in the room, probably uh, ha- how they would rank in this offense. I don't know that there's anybody out there that's going to, you know, really move the needle. D.D. Westbrook is a name that I've I've had, you know, yes, it at least raises an eyebrow to say, mm, you know, that's somebody that yeah. could contribute. You know, he may be a little redundant to what they already have, but he's a guy that I think can still play. I, I don't know that they go big at wide receiver in additions at this point. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Um, let's let's skip ahead to another question we have uh, from our guy Doug. I don't want to say his Twitter name. It's a, it's a funny Twitter name though, uh, Raw Dog Brown. But uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I just want to skip ahead to this don't one. Want to say that you just did say it. All right, go ahead. Yeah, you know, it, he deserves it for asking so many questions. I guess because uh, he is a he is a frequent questioner. But I just want to skip ahead to this one because you know I think. Uh, we've talked, we talked about the cornerbacks a little bit, but the actual, like mapping it out in a, in a base and dime, um, just for everyone to, to remember, uh, you know, I know we've talked about this in the past, but prediction of what the starting cornerbacks will look like in base and dime. And then he had a hot take that the chiefs will have a top 10 linebacker core once gay and Bolton are both starting. Well, I'll let you, uh, you know, start with where you want to, do you want to, do you have a rebuttal to that top 10? Do you think that's a little crazy for him to say gay and Bolton, or what do you think about that? You know, it, it's crazy. It sounds crazy at this point because they're so unproven. And the history of this Chiefs linebacking core and the way that the Chiefs staff works with linebackers has been so frustrating for fans to watch. Sometimes the players that we think are good don't get a sniff or don't, don't get the snaps, you know, from the coaching staff. And, and there's not always an obvious answer for it. So the way we see it versus the way the coaches see it, so even if both of these guys are ready in our mind and, and we see flashes from them in camp, doesn't mean that both of them are even going to start. So throwing all that aside and saying in a world where the coaching staff agrees with us and these guys develop on schedule and both of them are on the field together and they're really you know, playing up to expectations, they are in the mold of where the NFL is going when it comes to linebackers. And I hate to draw this comparison, but it, it's a theoretical comparison to the Tampa Bay linebackers of, of Levante David and, and, uh, and White. Those two players can, can run, they can hit, you know, they can cover, and they're a, a different breed. And they really caused the Chiefs a tremendous amount of problems in the Super Bowl. So – can Gay and Bolton be the Chiefs version of that? Yeah, yeah. See, that's the thing. I, I actually think that's a. I know you. It is a. It is a kind of a silly comparison, right? Or, or you know, an, a stretch comparison. But I do. There's a base to it, and 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 the, there's a foundation to it in, in the sense that Levante David is an athletic linebacker, but he isn't known for just being you know super fast, super speedy like his counterpart Devin White. He's just really smart and a really good run defender and, and, and can excel in coverage as well, just being an intelligent player. That's who you hope Nick Bolton can turn out to be. Devin White, like I kind of mentioned, is that speedy playmaker type that's going to be blitzing a lot, that's going to be you know a guy that they don't you know put in man-on-man coverage, but you know put in, in, in coverage situations where you know he uses athleticism to take stuff away in the flat and all that kind of thing. 
that's where Willie Gay would you would assume would kind of mix in. So it is kind of fun. You know, it is kind of that two that duo. They kind of complement each other. They kind of, you know, have the, you know, each other's strengths and weaknesses kind of taken care of that sort of thing. So in that sense, yeah, I, I, I do think there's logist logistical or <laughs> logistical legitimate reason to kind of, you know, maybe top 10 is but you were there's saying, a lot of teams. There's a lot of teams in the NFL. Top ten isn't that crazy, you know. When when you get to number ten, I mean, that's a lot of teams ahead of you still. I didn't know you were saying logistical there or, or, or legitimate, but uh, yeah, I'm just making up words. I like it. Top ten shouldn't be that much of a stretch. I, I I tend to agree with you there. I think there's. It still feels like a long shot because we haven't seen them on the field together. We've barely seen them on the field at all when you when it talks to to uh, Gay's role last year. That's been so limited. It feels like a foreign concept. Let's maybe wait until we see them all on the field together before we we put them in the in the hall of very good. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's certainly something to watch, and it would be very exciting to see those guys on the field. I mean, I'd still love to see Dorian O'Daniel as the dime linebacker. You know, again, that's right. the difference between the fan point of view and the and the coaching staff point of view. Well, speaking of dime, I do want to answer his question on the what the starting dime would look like or in the base, too. So just real quick, we'll go through it. So the base, in my opinion, would be Snead and Ward on the, on the outside. You have your three linebackers, and then the safeties would be Thornhill and Matthew. When we go to dime, which means there's six defensive backs on the field, usually that means there's one linebacker, which has been Neiman in the past. Hopefully it's Willie Gay this year. It could even be Nick Bolton, um, you know, just for his intelligence, but – We'll see. We don't know. But at that one linebacker plus usually Sorensen is a box safety. If they do go six DBs in terms of four cornerbacks, I would think that fourth corner, there's going to be Ward and Snead obviously out there. I think Rashad Fenton is that other slot you can trust in the slot besides Snead and Matthew. He's that third guy I think you can trust in the slot. And then, like we mentioned, Baker Hughes, uh, you know, I, whoever gets the, the, you know, the advantage over those two in training camp, I think. One of them will emerge as that fourth corner, and then in dime, they would be the outside cornerback if they needed two slots in Snead and Fenton. One of those guys would be the outside. So they got room to work around, and there's a lot of versatile pieces in, in the defensive backfield this year. It really seems like that's the way that it's going to go with Snead is he's going to be outside to start off with, and he'll slide into the slot or in, inside whenever they go to these, these more these lighter sets. Well, let's squeeze in one final question here, Ron, from – from our buddy Matrick Pahomes, uh, not a Chiefs fan. If you could replace one Chiefs draft pick with someone who was picked later, who would that be and why? I'm going to assume that this is a 2021 draft pick, so not a uh, not previous years. So uh, give me one replacement for a Chiefs draft pick this year. So I like the pick that was made for sure. I, I don't want to, you know, it's, it's nothing on this guy. They did sign Austin Blythe this offseason, so that's someone who could play center if Creed Humphrey wasn't drafted. And so in place of Creed Humphrey, let's get Tommy Tremble in here. I, I, I know Noah Gray has got us all excited, but when we talk about that fullback tight end hybrid that Noah Gray can play, shoot, I think Tremble would even be an easier fit to fit into that kind of hybrid role because of how good of a blocker he was. He could just be a straight-up fullback. You don't need your Burton. He could just be the guy that is your fullback. And then, you know, maybe he's not as as in-depth as a receiver, you know, in terms of, you know, being able to run routes well and 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 being like a Travis Kelsey type. The, the coaching staff wasn't going to say it about Tremble. 
instead of Gray. But I just I, I think I like Tremble's ability as a blocker, and then you know he'll learn he'll learn you know more pass catching abilities. It's not like he couldn't do it at all, and I I just like to see that you know over over the Creed Humphrey pick. What about you? Creed Humphrey slander will not be accepted. Uh, you heard the preface. Come on. Now. <laughs> no, I I think that's a decent idea. Um, I I may have to go with a two for one here, uh, just to cheat a little bit. I would replace Nick Bolton with. Boogie Basham, which would give the Chiefs a really good fit at defensive end and edge position that could get on the field maybe a little quicker than Joshua Kando. So then, you know, this is the problem with these uh, uh, these replacement projections. Once I take out uh, Joshua Kando and, and put in Boogie Basham, then, you know, who, who do the Chiefs take at the end of round four? Um, or in, in in place of Joshua Kando, you know, I think at that point in the draft, it is a little bit of a crapshoot. You know, you're looking at at the talent available, uh, and the Chiefs have done pretty well in the fourth and fifth round in the past. Maybe they come back and get a um, – they could get another offensive lineman. They, you know, they could get another tight end. Um, Noah Gray was really the next, you know, pick for the Chiefs, but – Maybe Brevin Jordan at the top of that round would be an interesting receiving option at tight end. So, yeah, once you start changing one draft pick, it ends up changing the entire draft for me. But I really would have liked to have seen Boogie Basham there instead of Nick Bolton. It would have given us a lot more cover at that edge position, especially given the events that have transpired since the draft. Yeah, and 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 I agree with you. Another guy that you you might have you could have said you know if we needed another receiver in in the building was the Simi Fahoku guy from Stanford that seemed to be a a little bit of a draft crush for Chiefs Twitter. But yep, I'm with you. I think that's a good place to stop for today. A good place to finish up this week. Enjoyed answering all your Twitter questions, guys. Please keep sending them. They they don't like to send us personal questions, do they? They only like our Chiefs takes. No uh, no food takes. No pop culture takes nothing so we're out of structure we got to make that stuff up on our own and we'll bring more of that next week Uh, so yes appreciate everybody bringing the questions keep them coming and keep listening to all of the arrowhead pride podcast network Uh, ron thanks a lot we'll talk to you next week